You guys, welcome to episode 112 of the... Sm- 12? 13? I don't know. Of the Smush Room, the podcast of deep dives on the well-known, or more importantly, not so well-known. Hookups of your favorite reality TV stars and uh, pop sensations from the 90s and early 2000s. It's me, Troy Mahahi, and uh, you guys, this is it. This is like, I literally, I'm not kidding you, I sat down and I, I started recording and I thought, this is it. Like, when I recorded Britney and Kevin, I had this thing in the back of my mind where I was like, I'll always have Britney and Justin. If I need a Britney release, like, I have that and, like, it's in my back pocket or whatever. And then I just forgot about it. But now, this is, like, definitive, one of my favorite words. This is it. Like, I don't really have anything else relationship-wise to talk about when it comes to Britney, and I kind of have anxiety. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess I can give, like, free Britney updates and stuff in the future, but it's not really the same. I don't know. Maybe I'll get desperate and, like, try and stretch an entire hour-long episode to her and, like, Colin Farrell or something, who literally just, like, had sex once. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm really excited. I, uh, my notes today are extensive. And to be honest with you, at the end, they just kind of ramble off. And uh, you'll understand why much later. I am very excited. This is going to be really good. I am excited to put this to rest. And I just, there are so many things that I want to say that I still want to say. And I came to the realization while I was doing my notes that I think... I think that Britney Spears is one of the most misunderstood celebrities, uh, I think maybe of all time. Like, I think that if you sat eight Britney fans in a room, they would all have completely different interpretations of, like, who she is and what her career represents and what she's good at and all those things. You know what I mean? She's, she's extremely misunderstood. So, I feel like I'm doing my doing my part in sort of helping uh, the misunderstood understand, if you will. And uh, there's a lot of that in today's episode, a lot of really good notes. And we're going to be talking about the uh, actual relationship here, finally, of uh, Brittany and Justin and, and the breakup. And you guys know what's coming. You guys know what's coming. So just don't even act brand new. And I'm going to get right into it because I'm hot. Also, by the way, I want to apologize if you can hear any noise. Um like background noise, cars, semis, I don't know. I live on a busy street and the room that I normally record this in is really hot and it's like really fucking hot today and I can't be in there, but it's like hot everywhere. So I'm just sitting here. I'm like literally sitting here feeling like beads of sweat drip down my like face and I just don't really know what to do with myself. But anyway, um, I like to point out also right from the top that I'm going to be rehashing some stuff that I've probably gone over in the past like year or year and a half or two years or whatever. And uh, I'll try and like make it, you know, I'll, I'll like adopt a new voice or something to hold your attention. But I may repeat some things that I've gone over years ago, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so we're picking kind of back up at the beginning phase of them actually dating. We're actually talking about their relationship today. So going all the way back and talking about their actual relationship starting in around like 1998. So, in fall of 1998, NSYNC became an opening act for Janet Jackson on her Velvet Rope tour. And this led to their first official tour as a band, the Second to None tour. And um, this is all sort of taking place at the same time as their legal battle with Lou Pearlman and trying to get out of, you know, their contracts with him so they can, you know, transition fully as Jive Records artists. Um, the second leg of their tour, Ain't No Stopping Us Now. First of all, look, you have to remember that this whole debacle needed to be worked into their brand because they had hundreds of, you know, 13-year-old girls, like, in, in literally in middle-aged women, like, standing outside in the rain and snow, wearing Aeropostale fleece pants and, you know, screaming for them to be free and crying about this court case. So... Aside from the music, this is, like, one of the most highly publicized things going on with them. This is what they're known for at this point, is this court battle. Uh, so the branding was very, you know, <laughs> we're, we're fighting to make music for you because we love our fans so much. And ain't nothing going to stop us from making this dirty pop. So, you know what I mean? Like, there will be no strings attached soon, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you just wait and see. Um And it was during this second leg of the tour that uh, an up-and-coming artist named Britney Jean Spears 
born December 2nd in uh, Macomb, Mississippi, was being introduced to the world by the same label. Uh, so Baby One More Time had just been released as a single, and the album was due to be released in the next coming months, so she was added to the tour along with Bewitched and Mandy Moore. Um, I want to say that there were like four legs of this tour, and it went... It, I, I know for sure that the dates were back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Like, they performed every day for like an entire year, basically. Um... And then they would take like a week long break and then they would open the tour up again and they would change the name to some 90s buffoonery. You know what I mean? Like, you ain't stopping us, we swear. Like, literally, the names of this specific tour, all eight of them are absurd. Um, But it's all one big giant tour that was broken up into all these different tours in different parts of the world. At one point, like, Raven Simone was opening up for them. Jordan Knight was opening up for them. All these, like, third tier groups that never took off during that time that, like, you know, some of them that had broken free of Lou Pearlman, like Innocence opened up for them a little bit. And I just recently actually watched like the full performance of Britney doing Baby One More Time on this like mall pageant stage tour with NSYNC. And the recordings are fucking hysterical. They're on YouTube, so you can watch them. Um, because these girls do not give one, two, or three fucks about this 15-year-old girl from the South gyrating on stage. Like they just did not care. Uh they have no idea who she is or what she's selling, but they're not buying it. They are not in sync. And that's all that these girls know. And you can hear them in the background saying like, like in what there's a million of uh, a million different sort of like edits and shots of this, like from different people. And then the one that I watched this girl was like, okay, not to be rude, but like, when is this chick going to be done? Like, seriously, because you know what I mean? Like, it's like not even to be rude, but like, honestly, like this isn't what we paid for. Um, not even realizing that they're witnessing like a moment in pop culture that they are going to talk about that will become their calling card. I bet you some of those girls work for fucking BuzzFeed. You know what I mean? Like that experience is enough to create an entire career for you. Just going to that show. Uh, <laughs> um, so Britney toured all of North America with NSYNC and this is where she and Justin fell in love. Um, and before they were you know, sort of infatuated with each other, but spending so much time together that, like, they, they really got to finally sort of seal the deal, if you know, if you know what I mean. Um, Lance Bash, like, Bash actually said in an interview that he uh, and NSYNC locked Britney and Justin in a room together for three hours uh, because they were both so shy that they wouldn't talk to each other because they knew that they liked each other. So they got locked in the room, and, like, that was really it. Like, that was the thing that kind of, like, set it off. And it's really funny when you think about it, because Britney started off as this, like, you know, she started off on this tour as someone people were, like, literally booing off stage because they didn't know who she was. Why would they care? And then the music video for Baby One More Time is released. So people in the audience are, like, singing it. Um, they had probably either just heard it on the radio or, like, bought the single because it's 1999 and that's what you did back then. You would go buy a $40 one song tape. Um and, you know, you flash to a couple months later and, you know, Britney had invaded pop culture in such a massive way. You had the song mixed with the video that immediately felt like this sort of piece of pop culture that would mean something for a really long time. You know, like it felt like it had weight to it. And the cherry on top of the cake was that Rolling Stone cover. Um, the Guardian did an article in 2017 about this era of her life and they said the video an instant pop culture moment that gave spears all important tabloid notoriety also fueled in the public consciousness with david LaChapelle's controversial 1999 rolling stone cover uh featuring britney spears laying on her childhood bed in her home wearing uh, uh wearing underwear and clutching a teletubby suddenly the now turbocharged teen pop genre had its flag bearer one whose identity, Sweet Southern Belle, and the video for, for soft focus follow-up single sometimes to red PVC-clad dominatrix and the not-that-innocent-oops-I-did-it-again visual. She was malleable, malleable enough uh, to at least initially be everything all at once. And it's sort of ironic when you think about it, because NSYNC's follow-up albums were just like a couple of Christmas releases. They didn't release No Strings Attached until the year 2000. So halfway through their North American tour, their opening act becomes way more famous than them. Um, 
I, and I, it took me my entire life to piece that together. That like halfway through their tour, she was like this mega superstar. People were paying then to go see her, and like kind of going to see In Sync at their own show. Um, in a 2001 interview with Rich and Famous, Britney said, "Justin definitely asked me out. Uh, we were doing a radio show, and this was before Baby One More Time had come out. He had just gotten off stage, and he knocks on my door, and he's like, can I see Britney?'" And Felicia didn't know who she who he was, and she was like, "No, who are you?" And I was like, "No, let him in. It's Justin." And I was trying to be cool, and I had my hair in braided pigtails. I was such a dork. I probably didn't say much because I was so nervous and trying to be cool. But yeah, he did ask me out first. And uh, as you can expect, every time I talk about Britney on this podcast, I will be mentioning that Rolling Stone article that I should just tattoo on my body at this point. Like I should just be able to pull up my shirt and have it like scroll across my belly and scribe. But uh, they said Britney's savior was Justin Timberlake, whom she started dating around 1999. Justin had his head screwed on so straight, and he rescued her from that world, says a friend. He became the great force in her life, but it started a pattern. She began to look for guys to help her get away from the people who control her. Even though Britney was one of the biggest stars in the world and Timberlake was still just another guy in NSYNC, the power balance in their relationship was solid. She wasn't competitive about attention. Uh, says a close friend. She just wanted to be in love. And with that said, we have to remind ourselves that Britney, Britney is in fact a brand. So let's not get too lovey-dovey all at once because we have money to make. Uh, she is a business and, uh, you know, she's not a human being or a 16 year old girl who has a boyfriend. Uh, so what does Britney Incorporated do, uh, with this relationship? Cause they can't just let it go on, of course. So it's decided by Britney's team. And it's taken me some years to realize that Justin probably had a lot of animosity towards her for the simple fact that it was her team that decided how this would be handled. Like, NSYNC was kind of rogue at that point. They were kind of, like, doing their own thing. Um, So Britney's team really had, like, an iron fist on, like, what this relationship would be, what it would turn turn into, what it would be to the press. Like, they had no control over that at all. Um, but it was decided by Britney's team that the relationship would remain a secret. And they both would tell the public that they've decided to remain virgins until they get married. Um, so from a, a branding perspective, it fed into their whole, like, you know, Lolita thing with Britney. And at the same time, it would hopefully resonate with the parents handing their kids 50 bucks to go run into FYE and buy this music. But Justin was then forced to, like, I don't think many people realize that. People always talk about Britney's like chastity and her the virginity thing and whatever, but Justin was also forced into this whole thing as a teenager. They told him that he he needed to also, if you're going to date Britney, you need to also tell the public that you're a virgin so that when this does come out, there won't be any funny business. And let's like really take a moment to assess like where we are for both of these kids. Justin is in a highly publicized court trial with his former manager who swindled him out of all of his money him and his his best friends at this point out of everything that they've earned so far and oh and by the way he's a Svengali and a pedophile Brittany is in a relationship that on paper is about as normal as she could possibly get at this point this is a guy that she grew up with she's known since she was 12 they have the same morals, the same values, they're Southern, whatever. But unfortunately, the adults around her have decided that they have to brand her as a slutty underage virgin. So she isn't allowed to just simply date a boy that makes complete sense for her to be in a relationship with. They have to come up with a way to work it into her brand. So now they're finally both, you know, in this like perfect position to lie about something super, super inappropriate and super uncomfortable and something that is just none of the world's business. Like, this is, I'm so happy that this is no longer a thing. And I feel so bad for people like Demi Lovato and Miley Cyrus and the Jonas Brothers who had to get like the sort of tail end of this fucking virginity shit that we helped create in the 90s. Because this isn't like a thing. Like, nobody cares if Billie Eilish has fucked. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares. It's This is like the weirdest fucking thing. But now they're in this weird position where they have to lie about being virgins. And 
you know, I said this in the last episode, but it's also, it's almost like her team gave the entire world a bunch of machine guns and put targets all over her body and pranced her around and said, go for it, boys. You know what I mean? Like, they gave us the ammunition we needed to come after her from the fucking jump. She was lying about who she was from day one against her will. She didn't, I mean, like, do you really think that she would have given a shit? And do you really think that it would have been so terrible and horrible? Like, we didn't even need to know about her virginity. Were, was people, were people asking Christina Aguilera about her virginity? No, because she never gave it to the world. Like, they wrapped up her virginity and gifted it to the world in a, in a, in a beautiful pink box. No pun intended, gross. Um, I don't know. It's just really weird. And, like, to be honest, like, as an adult, you know, I now fully understand, and this is, you know, 14-year-old me is quaked, and I'm about to say this, but I fully understand the concern of parents seeing, like, a 15-year-old girl in a tied-up schoolgirl costume asking you to hit her one more time or whatever, and being like, A, what the fuck do those lyrics mean? And B, what is happening, and why is this okay? You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it as an adult, and I understand the frustration was more probably fear-based for a lot of parents, because Britney was so impactful and they're watching their daughters just like take this shit in. Um, you know, I understand now as a fully fledged adult, the confusion as to how a group of people could allow this to happen to somebody so seemingly naive, you know what I mean? And like innocent, like how, how is this, how is this possible? Um, so Kind of moving on, if the year 1999 was, like, a really good chain restaurant, like, appetizer, you know what I mean? That made you, it, it made you feel, like, really full and satisfied and, like, happy. The year 2000 was the meal that you forgot you ordered, that you wanted, the, the reason you went out to dinner. And you're like, fuck, yes, god damn it. And you get super excited, you know, to overeat. <laughs> um, the year 2000 is definitely something from a chain restaurant that's deep fried and has a sparkler in it. You know what I mean? Like a flag. Like it's just tacky and it's decadent and it's good. Like 98, 99 was the music industry sort of realizing that this pop thing may have legs and being like, oh, okay. But the year 2000 was them realizing that this didn't just have legs. This was going to be an all-encompassing and basically, like, world-changing decade for pop. That pop music was going to be the most popular thing in every facet, even outside of music, for the rest of the 2000s. Um, first, you have No Strings Attached, NSYNC's highly anticipated album that's been put on the back burner several times because of this court battle. Um, you know, and this is them sort of reintroducing themselves to the world having complete creative freedom and control. No Strings Attached sold 1.1 million copies on its first day and 2.4, first of all, 1.1 million copies in a day. And it sold 2.4 million copies in a week. It sold two mil over 2 million more copies for the rest of the week, um, which made it the highest selling debut week of all time a record that NSYNC still holds. And this is also a major turning point for them as artists because it's the first time that they're featured on this, on, on one of their albums as like writers. I think JC Chazé wrote like five or six songs from the album and not to be outdone, outdone by the second lead vocalist, Justin also wrote some. Um, and then you have, Oops, I Did It Again, which was released in May of the year 2000. Britney released this sort of, like, definitive female pop album. Um, an album that for 15 years held the title for highest selling by a female artist ever. It also sold 30 million copies and remains one of the highest selling albums just in general in music history. And this is the really big difference between, like, album sales now and 20 years ago when people really made like a an intense effort to go out and pay for music to show support uh like if you think of it in the scale of like beyonce gaga rihanna taylor katie ariana the gals 
like none of them have ever reached like this specific level of success with any album they've ever done and that's crazy when you all of those names beyonce beyonce um and one of the things i mentioned last week but forgot to really expand on that i really want to get into because i find this really fascinating not many people know this So the guy that I mentioned, Eric Foster White, who with Max Martin basically taught Britney how to sing in her, what is now referred to as baby voice. What I didn't mention is that most diehard Britney fans will tell you that Jive Records and Max Martin um, basically stole Britney's singing voice. Literally like Miley Cyrus in Black Mirror, like they like stole her actual voice. Um... Fairweather Britney fans will not know what I'm talking about, and that's why I'm here, and I'm very excited to tell you about this. Britney's actual singing register is, like, Tony Braxton low. Like, Britney has a deep ass... It's deeper than mine, for sure, without any doubt. I'm prepubescent, but Britney's voice is definitely deeper than mine, without any question. Um, And it sounds incredible. And there's a million YouTube videos that show her sort of singing in her natural deep register and it's actually shocking to people who don't know um if you just youtube britney spears real singing voice like there's literally hundreds of videos will pop up but the problem was that the label didn't think that her lower register fit the image they were trying to convey when they signed her so they brought someone in to basically retrain her on how to sing like a baby um that eventually led to a baby, but Britney's Britney voice didn't start off as like just full blown, like robotney. You know what I mean? Um, but twenty years later, it's all she's ever really known, and it's only gone more and more baby since then. Which is ironic, as she like turns into like a forty year old woman, her voice becomes more childlike. Uh, but Larry Rudolph said it took almost a year to to retrain Britney to be what is now known to be what she is now known as today. Uh, as she was appointed to Eric Foster White, the producer, he supposed that her speaking voice sounded better suited for pop music than her natural singing voice, which was said to sound too mature for her age. Her voice was changed from her lower, less poppy register uh, and delivery to the more distinctively unmistakable Britney voice. And honestly, the reason that I bring this up is because Baby One More Time, when it came out, a person who sounded like her had never existed before up to that point. So it sent all the record labels kind of spiraling to try and figure out like how they could retrain their versions of Britney to sing like her. Uh, People like Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson were literally retrained on how to sound more pop, a.k.a. more like Britney. And in the 90s, it was known as the Britney sound, but later just became known as like the pop sound of the 90s. It's something that she created with Max Martin. Um... Rami Yacoub, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's definitely not how you pronounce his last name, but bear with me. Uh, he was a producer on her first album, and he said, I know from Max's previous productions, uh, when we do songs, there's kind of this nasal thing. With NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, we had to push for that mid-nasal voice. But when Britney did it, she kind of got this crazy, raspy, sexy thing going on that none of us had ever heard. They also taught her, and this is, you're going to think that this is weird at first, but hear me out. I'm, this is all facts. All you know, facts that you can pull up yourself on the interwebs. They also taught Britney very specifically about tongue placement, which I know sounds very weird, but hear me out. Tongue placement specifically for like a sexual aesthetic. So something that you may or may not have noticed throughout the years when Britney pronounces L's, when Britney pronounces L's, she sticks her entire tongue out of her mouth, almost like she's going to touch her tongue to her nose. Um, which is completely unnatural. It's almost impossible to even say an L with your tongue sticking out like that. But became a very important thing in the 90s to copy. And if you think I'm crazy, seriously, YouTube it. Like, literally YouTube Britney Spears' tongue. You can even Google it. There's a million articles about it. And you'll be blown away by the fact that this young, you know, these young girls were sort of like, learning how to slither their tongues by old men to copy a 15-year-old Britney Spears who was none the wiser. You know what I mean? Um, Liz Lewis, who was one of Britney's vocal coaches, said, in the song's video, Spears overemphasizes her tongue uh, during the delivery of the melodic punchline, and I must confess, I still be leave. Lewis says she can't, uh, she says she 
couldn't ever recall a singer delivering her vocals in such a manner at the time. It's really common now, she explains, uh, both in videos, uh, both in videos she sees and in her work with other singers. I always notice singers who use their tongue and push it outside their mouth the way she did. Um, when you speak, you don't actually do that. It would be much more difficult to sing, um, to sing it that way. So it was made to do it for videos. And the other side of it is that it's just sexy. When she's 15. Um, and as the song blew up, the strange, like, sort of vocal stamp quickly led to imitators across the music industry, like Mandy Moore, uh, which this article says, Mandy laid bouncy oohs and ya and yas over funky production in 1999 to sound, to sound more like Spears. And Sam Lunt of Billboard magazine said, Baby One More Time immediately spawned young female teen singers that had just come out of the bushes in droves. Songwriter Nicole Moyer, who wrote for Spears on Blackout and Circus, has encountered plenty of them. She said, I worked with other female artists who had, who had, uh, who had imitated that sound. She says, but the crazy thing is that Spears just does it. I almost fell out of my chair the first time I heard it in person while we were recording. It's sexy and coy without trying too hard. And I'm basically mentioning this specifically to say that by the time Oops was released, the label knew that they needed to lean the fuck in because baby one more time was a trial run that went shockingly well they broke a bunch of guinness records and you know changed music for the rest of history and they were like we have to lean in um they made an impact but people were really curious to see like if this was going to be some sort of like lightning in a bottle thing would lightning strike twice would this girl be able to continue releasing music that was popular would she be like an elevated one-hit wonder who had, like, maybe two or three hits, because there were so many girls coming out at the same time. And Oops was going to be masterfully planned, carefully manipulated, and, it, I mean, it was designed to sort of turn pop music on its head. And everybody involved in it, including Britney, who was very aware of the fact that, at the time, all of these labels that turned her down were then creating versions of her by the handful on a weekly basis, they knew what the weight that this album was going to have. Billboard also said, uh, Spears' baby voice became such a recognizable trademark. In fact, the songwriter producer, uh, Per Magnuson, who worked on early Spears hits like Sometimes and You Drive Me Crazy, says Spears and her collaborators nearly went overboard with it, overboard with it in her second album, Oops, I Did It Again. The title track, for example, devotes a 20 second intro to showing off that sound. It got a little bit out of hand, Mag Magnuson says. And look, this was the era of, like, not even really being able to keep up with how influential Britney had become in pop culture. But in, like, an all-encompassing way that almost felt inescapable. Like, teen fashion was directly influenced by her. And if you were a teenager in the early 2000s, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Super low-rise jeans that really tested you the entire day, like, I have this image burned in my mind of seeing my friends have a nine-hour fight with their jeans slash underwear in school because the struggle became very real. You know what I mean? Like, picking up a pencil left you feeling more vulnerable than you maybe had ever felt in class because that was, I mean, that alone could have been its own reality show. Like, what's your tactic for picking up a pencil in front of a class in 2002? What do you do? Just lay down? You know what I mean? And I think that this is why it's so hard, especially for younger people to understand what it meant to be young during this time, because you literally couldn't escape Britney, even if you wanted to. And even the girls who tried desperately to not look like Britney were referred to as anti-Britney, because it was like, that's the other woman. <laughs> if you're not Britney, you're an anti, you know what I mean? Like Avril and Pink were the anti-Britneys, and that's literally what the early years of their careers were based on just not being Britney Spears. And then you had girls like um, Samantha Mumba, like I mentioned all the time, who actually came up so much in my notes because they used to try and they were trying to turn Samantha Mumba into the black Britney. Or I, I feel like Samantha was like half black, half like Hispanic, like half Latino. Um, but they wanted her to be like the ethnic Britney. So she got asked about her all the time and Britney got asked about Samantha all the time and they actually tried to create like a little a little rivalry between them that was squashed by Britney just being like I don't give a shit about Samantha Mumba I, I'd love to do a duet um 
But it definitely felt like during this time, everything we consumed, especially as young people, went through this like Jive Records filter first before it got to us. But you cannot forget, while you're mentally reminiscing about middle school and Britney performing at the VMAs and the sheer sequence two-piece number and all that, you have to continue reminding yourself that our girl is now being marketed even more so as a virgin. Before, it was something to mention in passing that went along with the whole thing. But now, you know, now that we've had some major success on our hands and, you know, an artist whose sexuality has become one of the most hot button issues in the country, it's time to officially lean in. Uh, And the only thing that people really wanted to know from her was if she had had sex yet at this point. Uh, People legitimately wanted to understand how a girl who claims to not know anything about sex can be so sexy. Like, that was something that I read so much about this, like, 17-year-old girl. How can she not have had sex if she's so sexy? I don't get it. And people demanded answers, and she got this question on a daily basis for, for several years, to the point that she started to adapt this sort of canned response of, I wish I'd never said anything about it. Like, can we move on? Um... And an interesting turn of events took place that I'm I'm actually very excited to talk about because it never gets mentioned. And I personally, so for me, I break Britney's career down into parts, like mentally. Like whenever you throw a year at me, if it's anything between 1998 and now, like I immediately, I really, and this is not a joke. My immediate immediate thought is like, what was Britney doing during that time? Like it, my mind goes there. I'm I'm not joking. And um. Or, like, what version of Britney were we dealing with at that specific time in the media? And the Oops era was really heavy on, like, the good girl thing because it was the most marketable Britney had ever been up to that point. But the label had created a bit of a monster in Miss Jean because, to her, especially given what she's already been through media-wise up to this point, sex was equal to maturity and being taken seriously as an adult like a pretty normal way of viewing the world for an adolescent, but especially from an adolescent who's, you know, basically watched the people around her use her body as a tool. So Rolling Stone, in that Rolling Stone article, they said, although the world thought Britney Spears was an innocent and sexed up for the cameras, they thought Britney was innocent and sexed up for the cameras. She was always lobbying to appear sluttier, uh, which she thought would make her appear more mature. From the time... Uh, from the time she was young, Lynn and Jamie let Britney walk around the house naked. Every girl in America was wearing crop tops and booty shorts, and Britney felt like she was being held back, says a childhood friend. Uh, Lorelai, I see you. Uh, she, would jo- <laughs> she would joke about wanting to do videos topless. Her managers didn't want to scare off her fan base. Uh, these middle-aged guys were so intense about her not being sexual at this point that they were pushing her the other- that they were actually pushing her the other way, says the friend. Um, they tell her to put on a bra and that her lip gloss was too dark. Uh, they were literally picking out her panties for her. And it's like, my, my, my boy. So the tables turn. So when she's 16 and dancing with like engorged breasts and like fucking tweaked nipples to hell, she's just sexy enough. But now that she kind of wants to be a little bit sexier And, you know, she's wanting to feel a little bit more in control of her sexiness. She needs to tone it down. She's being a whore. Um, At an NSYNC concert in San Diego in 2001, Justin sang Someone Like You to Britney, uh, who was in the audience. And according to fans, she cried. Uh, He also wrote the song for her a year prior. And this was a major deal because up to this point, they were not allowed to acknowledge that they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, They made this, you know, very public appearance together for the first time in 2001 at the VMAs. And 2001 should honestly just be named by the government the year of Britney and Justin. Because once it became a solid fact that they were a couple, you could not escape. I mean, there are so many websites that I read that came to be because of Britney and Justin coverage. Like, I'm not even kidding. And a lot of them, it was fun to go back and go all the way back to, like, page, you know, 752 from the year 2000, their first posts about Britney and Justin, and now they just report on news. Um, But you couldn't escape it. And this was hands down, you know, two of the most famous people in the entire world. 
you had Britney, who was at this point signed by Pepsi. You had NSYNC now truly becoming like the most popular boy band in the country. You had the Super Bowl. You had the denim outfits that they wore to the Billboard Awards. Uh, Britney performing at the VMAs with the snake. Like, it's actually really overwhelming when you think about all the things that took place, you know, this one kind of year. And it was reported on September 1st of 2001 that Britney and Justin were engaged. According to The Sun and Star Magazine, Justin proposed uh, while they were in the studio, um, per, or he was recording his vocals for What It's Like to Be Me from her Britney album. Uh, the Sun says, an insider revealed details of the proposal saying, at first Britney played it up. Uh, Justin's heart must have been in his mouth because she acted like she was going to say no. Then she started to cry and said, yes, 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 of course I'll marry you. It was so sweet. When she accepted, Justin cried as well. He pulled the earphones off and he gave her a big sloppy kiss. It was all very mushy, but it was cute. Justin borrowed one of his mother's rings to make the proposal. And uh, because it was so tight, Brittany had been wearing it around her neck. They later bought each other Cartier rings. Uh, Brittany and Justin denied their engagement to the press, of course. And um, the Brittany's rep said, as far as we are aware, these stories are not true. Brittany has always said in interviews that she is too young to get married. She and Justin have bought each other matching Cartier rings, but it doesn't mean that they're engaged. They were also living together at this point, which, you know, they went back and forth on in interviews because they weren't sure if they were, in quotes, allowed to tell people that they lived together, even though they're like these two teenagers making multi-million dollars combined that have like worked their ass off. Like Justin just like fought his ass off in court from a pedophile and he can't live with his fucking girlfriend. Like, get out of here. Um, when Britney was on Oprah, she made a comment about waking up and telling Justin something and Oprah badgered her about it. Which is, like, again, very weird. And I know that I've definitely said this before, but it's been over a year, so I'll say it again. I'm wiser now anyway. Uh, America as a whole had such a weird parental relationship with Britney. And I'm guessing it's because we watched her grow up. We felt like it was our civil duty to, like, question her and demand answers literally like a parent. And... You know, she had just as much of a sort of child-parent relationship with us, which is so dark. Uh, you know, she lied to us and, and told us what we needed to hear so that she could sneak out of the house. And I mean, you know what I mean? Like America basically asked her like where the rest of her clothes were every time she walked on the stairs to leave the house, to which she would respond, it's the style, and then run out, literally. Like that's not an exaggeration, really. You know what I mean? She rebelled against America like they were a parent, and she had several years of running away and hanging out with people that we did not approve of, and God forbid she brings a boy home that we don't like. Are you kidding me? <laughs> not in this house. And uh, on September 27th, Brittany and Justin, um, the Orlando home that they were living in was burglarized. Do you guys remember this? If not, if you watch the uh, Brittany and Justin I'm going to call it, I'm going to say it was an alleged film. It, it, I, I guess it was a movie on Lifetime. Um, they apparently stole $5,000 worth of videos and camera equipment and liquor bottles and clothing. And it was reported that a videotape titled Personal was also stolen from the house. And so began the now 19 year long rumor that Britney and Justin have this like alleged sex tape floating around. Um, somewhere in the world but who knows what was really on that tape and like later i read that they reported that it was literally them just like hanging out on the beach and filming each other eat dinner and like just doing like weird teenagers that have our own house stuff you know what i mean um and anyways the world was more concerned about the fact that britney had liquor bottles because you know we're her parents so her publicist had to release a statement saying they were vacationing with their family, so the liquor bottles could have belonged to anybody. I think it's a pretty simple story about breaking and entering. That same month, Britney Spears' nude was the number one Google search in the country. Also, Jay Leno said this on his show about Britney. And, like, at this point, Britney was, like, the way before 2007. She was the ultimate number one late night joke. It was every day for like four or five years straight that she was made fun of. 
Dylan said, anybody catch the video, the MTV Video Awards last night? Did you catch that? Did you watch that thing? Uh, Jennifer Lopez saying, I'm real. And Britney Spears saying her song, These Aren't. Did you see Britney Spears doing that sexy half-naked dance with the snake? Did you see she had a snake wrapped around her? Uh, you know, for a virgin, she's good at handling that snake. Like, ugh. She was also forced to respond to rumors about her breasts um, because apparently they were, they appeared larger again, which was not okay. Um, it was a huge news story. I'm not kidding. Um, this was like considered a normal news day for a 19 year old girl at this time. Uh, she was being called a bad role model because her breasts looked enlarged. Uh, to which Britney responded, that hurts me a lot, to be honest, because the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC will grind with a microphone and no one says anything. Nobody says a word, but I show a little belly and people get in an uproar. These rumors started bothering me when people I worked with, like a new person I would meet, would start staring at me and staring at my chest. I really started, it really started to affect me. Uh, obviously, they knew that it was false because my breasts aren't really even that big. I guess they disappear bigger on TV, which like, ugh, it gross that she even needed to say something like that. But we're now approaching the Britney era of Britney's life, which means we're about to start a tour with Wade Robson as a primary choreographer, which means the inevitable beginning of the end is coming. Um, Rolling Stone said with her third album, Britney was told that she could change a little it was time for her to enter the not-a-girl-not-yet-a-woman phase, but she was ready to leave it behind. All of her gay dancers and stylists were always having dirty conversations uh, backstage. And one day, Britney piped up, and she said, God, I want to have hot sex, too. I want to be thrown down. I want to have hot sex. And the juxtaposition during this time is so fascinating, because during the same month that she has to do a press conference explaining why she uses the words hell and damn in her album because, and I'm not joking, by the way, because it's not good role model material to say the word hell. She's like almost 19. Um, she literally had to release a statement. She said, when I say hell and damn, I say it out of frustration in my songs. It's not like a normal term of endearment that I use all the time. It doesn't mean anything. At the same time that she's having to tell the world, like, it's okay that I say hell, it comes from frustration, she's having to, like, really play up this good girl thing that she's trying desperately to manage, but is obviously, like, starting to sort of lose it. At the same time, Britney and Justin are frequenters of a strip club in L.A. called uh, the Granville Club, and they were going so often that Britney's publicist had to release a statement saying that she was going to learn dance moves. So the same girl that we all were convinced didn't curse, was a virgin, you know, read the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, is trying to show you, like, look, I like to get lit up. I want to have hot sex. I want to be, in quotes, thrown around. And I like to say hell. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to the, sh the strip club to learn fucking VMA moves. I'm going because I want to see titties shake. Like, you know what I mean? She's trying to show you, and they're like, uh-uh-uh. Um, Brittany finally confirmed her engagement to Justin in November, saying, I love Justin, and I want to spend the rest of my life with him. I want to grow old with him. I couldn't ask for a kinder and lovelier boyfriend. We are going to get married, and we were thinking about next year, but it depends on our schedules, honestly. Rolling Stone also said her primary creative collaborator on the tour, uh, on the tour, her choreographer, Reid Robson, agreed that it was her time to blossom. So, <laughs> and she owned her new image by draping the proverbial snake around her neck while promoting I'm a Slave for You at the 2001 VMAs. Her sexual curiosity got the better of her, and she reportedly began sleeping with Robson, a friend of Timberlake's who co-wrote Instinct's pop with him. In 2002, Wade said, this is, this is amazing, he said, I get to drive Britney's sexual energy into her performances. She sells, she tells me her fantasies and we interpret them together through dance. <laughs> Robson also credited, um, also credited Britney's workout ethic saying, I never need to tell Britney to keep in shape because we, because we work together and because she's so disciplined. She works so hard. 
Whenever she has spare time, she'll lie on the floor and start doing crunches without a second thought. It's just who she is. And it's also worth mentioning in passing that, you know, by this time, Crossroads had also come out and her team felt it would be appropriate to, um, you know, as she's years into obsessively being asked about her virginity, they felt it would be appropriate to write a virginity storyline into the movie and have her lose it in the movie. Maybe to get people off her back. I don't know what the, like how that possibly could help an already really overwhelming situation to have her then have sex on camera in a room full of 12 year olds. Like I just don't fucking get it. So, reports started to surface that Britney and Justin had broken up. Jive spokesperson uh, told a Jive spokesperson told the press that the rumors were untrue, and she also stated that the rumors exploded when Britney told the news reporter at the Crossroads premiere that she and Justin don't get to see each other anymore. The Las Vegas Review Journal said they're having a tough time. They're arguing pretty bra- pretty badly. Uh, but they're teenagers, says a source. Uh, the couple in question were supposed to be together for this week's concert at the MGM Grand in Vegas on Friday, but they were absent. The Sun also reported that they conf- could confirm that Britney and Justin were definitely no longer together and that Wade Robson was the person she was confiding in. They said while Britney put on a brave face to deny the reports on MTV Italy, Pals confirmed that the relationship is definitely over. She doesn't want to talk about it on the air while she's still coming to terms with it herself. As for where her relationship is with Wade, um, another pal added, Brittany has a very special relationship with him. He's an amazing influence on her life, and they spend a lot of time together. PopDirt.com in 2002 wrote an article about it that said, PopDirt is like one of my favorite old school websites. I used to go to this website every single day after school. Uh, PopDirt, like, re- I literally like reread articles that I used to read as a kid, and it, like I was getting goosebumps. Um, but they said it appears that it 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 appears that reports of Britney Spears getting dumped by her NSYNC boyfriend Justin Timberlake are true. Even though Jive promised to issue an official statement on the matter earlier today, uh, nothing but a no comment was given. While Justin was spotted at Hollywood Hotspot AD, the uh, the NSYNC singer was bumping and grinding with a dark curly haired beauty, according to a spy who said, "I think Britney was the last thing on Justin's mind." Uh, Justin's bandmate Lance Bass uh, looked on, looked on with Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Christina Aguilera. Now, this is all, by the way, while people are still heavily, almost on a daily basis, reporting even more so now that they're broken up on if they had sex and if the reason that they broke up was because Britney made him wait or because the them having to lie about it became too much pressure. Like, now it's even more of a hot-button issue. During this time in 2002, Britney's virginity uh, was actually one of the most Googled phrases of the entire year. And Lisa Gabriel, uh, a reporter, said, Britney no longer has the option of innocence, um, but she can't grow up either. She's old enough to have sex, but can't get away from... But she can't get away with twirling her hair around her fingers and shrugging off controversy. She may arouse by just being who she is. But losing her virginity means popping the cherry of her entire career. That's a great important that there's a great importance in keeping her a virgin backstage to maintain the fantasy of her innocence on stage. So this woman is basically saying that the only way that we'll enjoy seeing Britney perform is if we think that she hasn't had sex yet because the joy of it is seeing a virgin be sexy. Like, this is literally our news. This was our news cycle. And you wonder why people are fucking confused about who Britney Spears is. This is what they were reporting about her as a teenager. Uh, we also start to receive reports uh, for the very first time about Britney's mental health during this time, like a lot of them, uh, that she's denying it to the press and that, you know, her team is worried that she's officially going to crack under pressure. Um, photos surface of Justin kissing a woman outside a Mexican restaurant, um, the same woman he was seen dancing with a few weeks earlier. And after the photos were released, she immediately booked a flight back to Kentwood and stayed with her mom. And this is all while she's promoting Crossroads and going to every country that God gave us. And 
now she's adapted this new phrase about her relationship where she says, I'm not in an intense relationship with anyone right now. I'm not in an intense relationship with anyone. Um, Star Magazine reported in March of 2002 that Britney spoke to Justin on the phone at a party very loudly and drunk for partygoers to hear. So a bunch of people claimed to have heard it uh, for 30 minutes in a bathroom. A source told Star Magazine that Britney cried to a group of women who told her that the guy she's dating obviously isn't it isn't worth much if he's going to dump her on the phone. Britney then left the party and attempted to enter NSYNC's after show party. A source reported reported that Britney reported that Justin had Britney banned, and a witness said that Britney made her way backstage, but but Justin's bodyguards told her to back off and that she wasn't welcome. Uh, she was crushed. The same star uh, article says, "Pal say Timberlake was keen on starting a family with Spears, but her lofty ambitions got in the way." One said, "Britney was determined to succeed, even if it if she had to leave everyone she loves in the dust." Like what? And that includes Justin. But since the split, the depth of her feelings for him have really hit home. It's clear to everyone that she's got to pull herself together or she might be headed for a real breakdown. Uh, Rolling Stone said, In February of 2002, Timberlake discovered a mashed note from Robson in Britney's room. Britney and Justin were performing on Saturday Saturday Night Live that night and they sat backstage miserable. Justin refused to accept her apologies. The breakup was a terrible shock, particularly as it was followed by Britney's parents' divorce a couple months later. No one took the time to say, Britney, let's take some time off here. Let's get you some counseling, says an ex-manager. They expected her to have the drive to just dust it off. She should have gone home. Uh, The Mirror also reported that Britney had an on-again, off-again fling with Ben Affleck in the year 2000 and that their affair included a an apparently infamous night of strip poker that people like know about. And when Ben Affleck was asked about it, his rep uh, responded and said, like, this is a story that like, we're sick of, you know, responding to like, they never like have denied it really. And uh, the mirror also said that when Brittany, uh, when Brittany spitefully admitted that she had been cheating on him, it broke Justin's heart. Uh, He was crushed and so angry that he ended it. Justin couldn't handle the betrayal. And that's why he ended it. A friend of Britney's told Star Magazine, since the split, Britney has been seeing the world through the bottom of a glass more and more. Britney is on a very slippery slope. Now, mind you, this is 2002. Way, 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 way before we thought anything could happen, you know. Um, Everything in her personal life is centered around boozing and partying. But if she doesn't take control of her drinking now, she could end up like so many stars who have made it big when they were too young. Ugh. She is so talented and she has so much lo- so much to live for that it would be terrible um, if she descended into the nightmare world of booze and rehab. Ugh. Now, what we won't do, what we will not do on this good night is forget the fact that Justin Timberlake was also planning a solo career. That's what we won't do this evening. Justin Timberlake was planning to break out of NSYNC and reintroduce himself to the world. And the one thing that we've spoken about endlessly on this podcast is that Justin Timberlake made himself the blueprint for what it looks like for a member of a boy band to go solo, right? So there's no real guarantee that this will work out. Like, there's a very high probability that he could fall flat on his face because nobody's ever really done this in the way that he's choosing to do it. You know what I mean? And now it's like the norm. Like, everybody leaves a boy band like Justin Timberlake. They follow the exact same pattern. But um, this was a big deal. And this was also the media's opportunity to finally, when it came out that it, you know, there was a chance that Britney had cheated, this was it. You know what I mean? The media finally had their reason to punish this girl. You know what I mean? It, 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 this wasn't her claiming to be a virgin and twirling her fingers through her hair. This was what you know, could be the fall of America's pop princess who up to this point has been marketed as perfect. And according to the press, Justin was heartbroken and love stoned, no pun intended. Uh, you know, a young man who did all he could to keep her and just a good normal Southern boy. And uh, she was like this crazy wild secret whore who, you know, has been lying to us all this whole time. All of it was fake. So 
Justin ran all the way to the fucking bank and he's still running. That motherfucker is jogging to the bank. Uh, mind you, this was also before the Super Bowl with Janet. And even that took like 20 years for people to realize it was like bad on his part, apparently. You know what I mean? Um, he did a truly masterful interview with uh, Barbara Walters on 2020 that is now famous and iconic. And uh, he tells Barbara that he and Brittany had a great expectations vibe when they were little and that he was infatuated with her. Everybody has asked you what went wrong as much as so as much as you can without getting into a dozen details. Maybe you can say it once and for all. And Justin said, mind you, he's giving you I mean, the pageantry is turned all the way up. He is giving you just doughy eyed, precious moments. Fantasy. He sounds so disingenuous beyond the comments are my favorite thing to read on this interview but he said you know when we decided that we were going to go our separate ways we had a moment where we sat down uh he said where i sat her down and i said if you ever need me i'll always be there because i love you as a person and i will always love you but no matter what we say at this point people are going to speculate huh i promised her i wouldn't say specifically why we broke up but and Barbara's like, well, you've been quoted saying something very bad happened and that the impression is that Britney did something very bad that hurt you. And he said, we're not perfect. I don't judge her. I don't judge anybody. It's a situation of young love. He then proceeds to croon Barbara at a piano and insists that the songs on his new album for uh, are all experiences based on things that have happened to him in his past, but not specifically about Britney. Um, as he sings a song called Horrible Woman about a lover who caused him a great deal of pain. And he's literally crooning Barbara. Uh, so then Barbara says, is there any chance that you two could get back together? And he said, honestly, it's so hard to say. But if you really want to know who my real girlfriend is, it's the 13 songs on my new CD. Uh, she goes on to ask him if they had sex and um, he maniacally giggles into the camera or no you know she says um did you remain a virgin and he literally looks into the camera maniacally laughs and says sure <laughs> sure <laughs> sure just like giving you stunts you know what i mean like he is such a fucking stunt queen um so obviously he went on to release crimea river with a Britney lookalike in the video. Um, a song that he claims was written an hour after she broke him. And uh, Britney's response to that was, I think guys have egos. And when their egos get hurt and their pride's messed up, they deal with it in weird ways. Uh, I think that it was, a, I think that I was in shock, to be honest. But you live and you learn. You, you know, he called me up and asked me if I was okay. Um I can't believe I'm telling you this right now, but who cares? He called me up and wanted to supposedly get back together or whatever. But behind it was, and by the way, you're in a, you're in, ugh, behind it was, by the way, you're in a video that's coming out. She recalled that kind of slipped in. She continued, don't, he said, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So the record label called and said, if you want to change this, you can. I had the power to say no to the video, but I didn't because, hey, it's your video. Do whatever you feel like you have to do. To which Britney obviously released every time, as we know, and during, you know, his album promotion tour, he just fucking, it's a constant, 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 like, reference to Britney, every single interview he does, and, you know, he went on the radio and joked about how he fucked her, and the smell of my fingers, and, like, described her vagina, and, um, he, except, or he presented an award at an award show, and, um, he was, I think he was giving Madonna an award and he said something like, you know, I've like, uh, there's a lot of Madonna copycats out there. I may have dated a couple just like constant. And this went on for like, I think five straight years up until just kind of like slightly. And then when his next album was coming out, when future sex love sounds is coming out, he amped it up again and like reintroduced this like heartbreak narrative into the media that all these songs are written about his previous lovers and how they've wronged him and hurt him and blah 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 uh he during her breakdown was singing fucking rehab on tour by amy winehouse 
Like, he's just a literal nightmare person. Like, he is such an opportunistic fucking twat. And I'm so happy that you guys all decided to get on board and hate Justin Timberlake with me. Maybe not you, but, like, the rest of the internet. You know what I mean? But, um... And not to be biased, but, like, since this time, since 2002... Britney has never really said anything negative about him. Like, she recently said that she wanted to do a duet with him, that she liked his music. She, like, works out to his music on Instagram. <sighs> I don't fucking know. And now I'm all heated up. You guys know how I get when I talk about Noodlehead. Ugh. But I'm also hot. I'm sweating. I feel like I need to stop talking because once, once I get going about Justin, like, I could do a whole nother hour, so I have to, like, cut myself off. But neither here nor there... That was Britney and Justin. That was my interpretation of Britney and Justin. <laughs> um, lightly biased, maybe. Who knows? But um, I don't know. That's all I think I really have to say. I love you guys. And uh, I don't know. That's it. I'm out. I'm sweaty and I'm gross and I'm going to stop talking. But I love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to This Mushroom, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash evpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at EBP underscore Smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.